from Alaska, Grim After Dark, starring John and Danny. Guys, let me paint you a story. Story of a man who is not only content with joining the art of war, Warhammer Empire as a coach, but he spends his days making nerds do math while he argues with Innis Wilson once a week on YouTube about Warhammer. Tonight, Anthony Vanell is going to lower himself to this Warhammer ripoff of Space Ghost uh, to talk about, I mean, he probably hasn't watched before, so he doesn't know, but it's going to be good, maybe. Um, buddy, let me tell you, it's going to be pretty grim after dark. My co-host today needs some fragmentation. Uh, it's Danny McDevitt. He's coming. Danny is coming. The only thing that could stop this being awkward every week is if I gave advance notice of all of the visual cues uh, through a shared Word document. Who guess? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm here. What's Boom. up? Speed it up. Uh, Danny, the grim dark has been brought to us this week as we mourned the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. Um, and the Warhammer community showed its proper respect via this post from, sadly, a Chaos Facebook group. Um, oh, who's no. Dead? Okay. But how does the Queen's <laughs> death affect upcoming Warhammer releases? Uh, Danny? How does the Queen's death affect Warhammer releases? John, that's a great question. Um, it will, not. substantially, for reasons. Probably supply chain issues, I would say. I mean, that's that was happening long before then. Yeah, no, I mean, um, like, look, John, we've got to figure out where on her estates uh, they can harvest the plastic that they use to make uh, GW miniatures uh, in mm -hmm. England. Uh, so... Uh, this surprises no one, but 90% of the plastic that GW uses is harvested from the queen's own land. Yeah. 10% uh, is from her own corgis. Uh, thankfully, though, the British institution and great company Games Workshop knew how to properly mourn uh, by posting their condolences here um, above an advert for the hit skirmish game Kill Team, uh, which was just the best way to kind of go it. Um, Danny, with the changes in the British monarchy that we are seeing with the ascension of King Charles III, will we see an adjustment of uh, miniature wargaming to a smaller scale skirmish combat style? John, game? we're already seeing a new edition of Kill Team hit the shelves. Um, and so clearly, <laughs> clearly, much as art mimics life, <laughs> we're going to see uh, an increase in the uh, in the amount of small skirmish level games of non-symmetrical warfare. Yes, uh, of course, uh, the the royal family in England, uh, famous for their small scale warfares that they they wage there. Um, will King Charles III's famous love of the old world setting uh, bring that game's release date forward, Danny? Well, you know what they say: it takes one to know one, and uh, if anybody knows the old world. It's King Charles. It's, a, it's British royalty. Uh, go ahead, introduce the guest. <laughs> how, how, all right, hold on a minute. How am I supposed go. to top this introduction that you give at the start of the episode? What's, so, what's my I, game plan here? You tell me, brother. I mean, all right. here's the thing. You guys might not see, occasionally I advertise this show uh, on the Frontline Gaming community on Facebook. And the only meme I could find that 
instantly kind of made this episode make sense to me was a fair competition between Danny and Anthony, and me rolling a banana, trying to join in, but just be woefully unprepared skill-wise. Uh, but no, I want to see. Yeah, give me your best best show. Bananas are famously hard to roll, so I get I get why you may maybe, maybe we're having trouble. Um, <clears throat> so you've as you've already mentioned, uh, Anthony is uh, uh, well known uh, for his role not only on uh, the storied podcast Statcheck, uh, where he provides unique tactical analysis of uh, I don't know forty k or something, and then uh, he also remember. <laughs> He's also a member of the Art of War coaching team, so he'll tell you he'll he'll tell you exactly what to do with your army and what you're doing wrong with it in any given day. We're pleased to announce multiple GT winner Anthony Van Allen. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Anthony. That's getting yeah, Hell yeah, <laughs> guys! I, I really want to point out, but before we get to Anthony here. We're now on week four of petitioning Val to leave his mic hot while he's producing the show because you guys are missing out. <laughs> you just such a great layer uh, yeah. right there. But anyway, <laughs> Anthony, welcome to the show. Uh, you know, how are things going? Things I did a good, good intro that I'm just going to mess it up with the first question. <laughs> things are good. I uh, can't complain. Doing a lot of 40K-ing. Uh, I was, definitely took a little bit of a break from tournament stuff after the WTC, but now I'm going to be going back to it. I'm going to an RTT next weekend, and then I got GW Chicago coming up soon, so that'll be exciting. And, uh, yeah. So how was... So WTC, you were primarily... You're primarily known as sort of obviously a singles player. You've won a lot of GTs. You got really far in LVO last year. You're generally like very skilled player. How was it going to a team event uh, where Team America was obviously a lot of very skilled singles players uh, going yeah. up against some of the best in the world there? Yeah, we sure were eight singles players in a trench coat pretending that we were going to swing for the fences and take down the Euros. Um, we tried. Uh, we definitely were not as well prepared as we probably could have been. Um, but there's been some like institutional changes made to team USA. We're going to come back murderous this year. We're all, those of us that are staying are super duper hungry after it. So it's going to be super fun. Uh, the event itself was amazing. It's probably the most fun I've had in an event. Um, the camaraderie there, even like cross nation has been really really cool to see uh, i made a lot of friends on the like on basically all the teams that we played against and even some that we didn't um so yeah it was a really really cool event uh, i actually prefer team 40k at this point but only when it's like at that level where everyone's all in um when there's like varying levels of commitment it seems like it would be a little bit less enjoyable like if your team's like really focused and going hard and then you have to play against a team that's just like there to do shots on Wednesdays. Like you're kind of like, all right, man, I don't really know what the goal like, is here. Why not both? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, who was, so you played a lot of super competitive games of 40K. What was your hardest game of WTC? Oh man, I got stomped against the Australians. Uh, Liam, so I've played a lot of really good players in the time that I've played 40K, which hasn't actually been that long. Um, but in the... Yeah, Liam is probably the best player I've ever played. He beat the brakes off me. Uh, I lost in WTC format. I lost 19-1, which is by a differential of at least 45. Uh, Yeah, I was one of the two points he dropped the entire event. 
So you're like, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you did it. Yeah, I did it. I held him to a 99 because he dropped two battle points across seven games at the world level. So oh my gosh. That being said, that was your hardest game. What was the what was the most fun like overall game that you got to play uh, at the um, event? Honestly, that was up there too. Like the the Aussies what? are a bunch of bastards, dude. They won sports, the singles, and teams. Like they're just better than everyone at everything this year. Um, but Liam's like an absolute gentleman, so that game was super fun. I had a lot of really fun games though. The game I played against the Polish captain Typhus was also a great time. Uh, we had like a super like by intent game and he's done a bunch of refing and judging so anytime we had like a minor movement or like measurement question he had like 14 implements that came out of pockets i didn't know he had and his hands moved faster than i could see and then like all of a sudden he was like yeah you can make it and i was like cool <laughs> or like he would have the answer like right away and i was like all right awesome um and we so, yeah, can get back really to how you were molested at wtc by people later here <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what happens at night at wtc <laughs> especially by inspector gadget that's more of a that's even more surprising to be honest yeah yeah I didn't gadget was Polish. <laughs> <laughs> um uh so you said though you just kind of recently got into warhammer like how recently is recently I walked into a games workshop for the first time, bright-eyed, ready to buy some Chaos Knights, the week the Iron Hands Codex came out that Saturday. <laughs> Which was not the best time to be buying some Chaos Knights. Danny, that seemed to kill your soul uh, and make you feel even older than your most recent birthday this weekend. I aged visibly, John. That's that. That's what you were seeing there. Yeah. Um, Chaos Knights obviously having quite a bit of a resurgence. I know I've talked to you personally a lot about kind of Chaos Knights. Yes. You've sort of seen an evolution of that army um, as a, when you've been a player as well, starting there when that army first kind of came on the scene to now where they have what can be considered a somewhat competitive codex. How's that yeah. army progression been for you? Uh, so I've played a bunch of different stuff since I started, but playing Chaos Knights specifically has been really fun. Um, actually, a buddy of mine is borrowing my Chaos Knight collection to play at Chicago um because it's a really good army and i'm not using them so someone should be um they're just the amount that they made the war dogs better added so much like versatility and enjoyment to the build because you're not just there with three dudes hoping you roll your ion shield saves and not hiding behind obscuring now you have like a wide breadth of units to use so it's really good for that type of thing you're hiding behind 12 dudes hoping to roll your eye on shield saves. Yeah, but like sometimes you can hide behind buildings with them now. <laughs> oh, chat's already coming in strong saying the question is, what am I doing wrong since I've been playing for a lot longer? Buddy, if you go to artofwar.com, you can actually have Anthony tell you uh, what you're doing wrong for a nominal fee. Um, on top of that, though, Anthony, you also uh, are part of the stat chat crew, obviously, with... Uh, uh, Dr. Stats himself, Nathaniel, and his Wilson. Uh, all the guys there, Curie and Cliff, who are doing just amazing behind-the-scenes work. Tell us about that. So, yeah, Stat Check, we are a we're a podcast, but you know, also the website, a lot of people get a lot of value out of the meta dashboard there. Um, basically, what we were trying to do was address what we felt was a hole in competitive 40K analysis, um, where a lot of people evaluate things based on just like, feelings and feelings in 40k can get complicated because there's not 
for as much as like the competitive scene gets a lot of attention and it does a lot of the work, there's not necessarily a ton of super high level competitive players and the open format of Warhammer 40k events tend to mean that those players don't necessarily play each other very often. So there's a lot of people that are saying things are good when really they're only good when they're better than their opponent. And this happens a lot. Uh, And this colors a lot of the lenses of 40k analysis. So we tried to, and we are, doing the work to show what things are like empirically good. Um, What things show up a lot. We have breakdowns on the website that break down like more casual win rates for people that have just that are going to their first gt sized event versus like the veterans in the data who have been to two or more gt sized events and you can see big changes in different factions win rates and how the matchups play out based on that um in addition we have me and ennis doing analysis every week and we are currently ranked 10 and 4 or 5 in the itc um which is pretty good uh up until very recently, it was the highest ranked podcast host of any podcast. And then Vic and Gaylord made a podcast and took it away from us. But <laughs> soon, soon we will rise. Um, but yeah, so Don't that's worry. The crushing cool. grind of frequent content creation will get them soon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that'll show them. And, and chat's coming in saying that I'm shilling and I'm just there's always shilling and all this stuff. Guys, if I was shilling, I would tell you to go to the notes for this episode and click on that link to buy all of your product frontline gaming. I didn't do that. Um, but if you can, <laughs> it does help the show out. Uh, part of helping your show out is your Patreon. We also have behind the scenes stuff here, Anthony, uh, including uh, Nathaniel Henning. Uh, who uses you for his portion of the bonus content. Go ahead, tell us about that. So we made a joke on air that we were going to open up a Patreon tier that was going to be Nathan teaching me math, because it's like a long-storied joke since we were on Fight Club, uh, which was uh, the old name of our show when we were on the Best in Tabletop Network. We There was a running joke that I am really bad at math, and I hate it. Uh, he shows me spreadsheets, and I yell at him, about showing me the Cthulhu magic that he does to make the win rates come up. Uh, So we were like, listen, if 10 people sub for, I don't know, a ludicrous number, 15 bucks a month, I'll take math lessons from Nathan. Surely no one will do that. That's three times the price of the Patreon normally. (laughs) It'll be fine. And I was wrong uh it funded overnight and a bunch of people went through the funding goal as well and so i think this coming week i start math lessons with nathan and so what did you learn from that because i've had a we had a similar experience with mob rules where we offered uh we'll get you warhammer coaching from a certified service as one of our patreon tiers for a (laughs) hundred dollars a month and somebody bought it. So like now, yeah. yeah. So what did, what did you learn from that? I learned that I am willing to do pretty ridiculous stuff for just a bit more money. Uh, and I like, I didn't learn not to do it if that's where you were going with that. Cause I just will like, it's fine. Uh, speaking, I don't know. Did you guys hear the story of my WTC bet? I'll go. Okay. So I made a bet. So it was night one of the singles. Liam's two and one. Everything looks fine. I'm like, I bet that if you you guys won't win the singles and the teams, like, ha ha ha, no big deal, right? 
surely not. I was like, if you guys do, I've had quite a few Aussie sponsored drinks at this point. So I'm like, all right. So if you guys win both, I'll get a tattoo of the Australian team logo. So. Oh, no, that tattoo, that logo is just a bunch of dicks. <laughs> Thankfully, it's not <laughs> just a bunch of dicks. It's just but a it, pot overflowing with penises. It, it for <laughs> sure is a kangaroo and some dice, and then the words Team Australia 40K. So, in like two weeks. Anthony, you look closer at that logo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're going to just. I was like, guys, send me the logo picture, and it's just like a pot full of dicks. Um, so. All time Team Australia. Uh, so, so, yeah, that's the, uh, that's the story of the tattoo I now have to get. Hell yeah. Heck yeah. Let's love it. Um, you could always just Sharpie it on yourself and send a picture. Our producer in chat's pointing out they do live on the other side of the planet. Um, no. That's watching on a bet. You can't go back on a bet. What would that make me no, as a person? No also, I'm going to see them at WTC next year. Have you ever seen angry Australians? I'm good. <laughs> just carry a six-pack. It's fine. Um, <laughs> Distract them. <laughs> just throw fosters in the corner um now your like fellow stat checker uh nathaniel hennig you uh, said he's been giving you those math classes luckily when he found out you were coming on he was kind enough to send over this guy here oh, no. i wanted to ask uh what's the range uh in this set of numbers oh, here? oh lord oh, boy let me let me zoom in dude give me one sec to really get in it oh it's boy time john uh, I am buying time. Don't. While Anthony's up. looking at this, I want to tell the story of like, I reached out to Nathan. I was like, hey, can you send me a math problem? It'd be funny to pull this on any part of the show. He's like, yeah, sure, man. And he sends over a math problem. And I'm like, hey, man, do you have the answer key for that? He was like, what? <laughs> it's just a lineal equation. And I'm like, yeah, do you have an answer key for that? So he found simpler math to send that did have an answer key. That's good. Yeah. You also pulled the problem, so I can't see it anymore. The range? I don't know, man. Two through nine? Is that right? Is that real? It seems Danny, real. Is that right or real? I think so. Okay, cool. cool. Here's the fun thing. Both of us pretty suck at math. Uh, yeah. So I have that. Well, like, it could be me. eight, I guess. It's seven, uh, apparently. Seven. Is oh, range. yeah. Okay. I could see that now. So that I makes just sense. assume hey, seems, we're all bad at math. Yeah. That seems real. Guys, uh, currently. Uh, part of COVID was I went insane and, and quit everything and went back to college. Uh, I'm still putting off a math class. Uh, this is now year three of putting off one math class I need to take. So I feel this pain. Yeah, um, not good. <laughs> anyway, uh, feel free to solve. Ch hey, chat, solve that for the median. There you go. Shouldn't have jumped in there, huh? <laughs> anyway, uh, pro gamers are everywhere nowadays. Uh, and the general skill level has, has increased a ton over the last few years. Danny, you kind of inspired this one here by sending me this picture here of Abaddon doing his pro gamer move of just crushing a planet with a spaceship. <laughs> um, this question here is for both of you guys. Uh, Danny, you're as close to pro gamers. I want to know, Anthony, you, you are a pro gamer at this point here. What is the greatest pro gamer move uh, you have ever pulled off in a game of 40K? Oh, man. So mine was actually probably at Elvio. Uh, the last round, right before the shadow, I'm playing against a fine Icelandic gentleman named Hydar, and he is playing 
26 shield custodian guard, like an absolute Chad. He's in rank one at the tournament at this point. He's just, he's just crushing hopeless Americans. He's playing Americans who are like, what is this nonsense? And he's just running them down with golden men. And I realize that his list has no guns in it. So I'm like, all right, here we go. We get Drazar and the Archon out of their boat and they hold hands for the rest of the game because he can't engage them in melee then. So then Drazar on his merry way kills 18 of those shield guard because he double fights in every phase from turn three until the rest of the game. Gaming. <laughs> <laughs> that, that awesome art of war coaching method of just don't let your opponent play and just keep scoring. Yeah, just keep, well, I don't just keep scoring. I keep killing. It says violence on the back of my jersey. <laughs> you do have that violence nickname. Where did, well, before I go to Danny for his pro gamer move here, where did that violence nickname come from? Uh, Colin Sherman just called me it one day, and then everyone was like, yeah, that's his name now. People just call me that now. I'm convinced there are folks that just don't even know what my name is because they just – they're like, that's violence. That's who that is. Um yeah, mostly because I'm really aggressive when I play, and then I like doubled down on it when I went over there for this year's Charity Hammer and just ran through some folks at the Open and then again in Charity Hammer. Uh, but yeah, I am Art of War's most violent Colin member. Sherman's like anti Italian bias that he refuses to use your actual name and just wants to say violence. That's it's also possible. Uh, he did hardcore mispronounce my first name the first time he said it. I was referred to as Anthony Vinea, which is not what my name is, but that's okay. <laughs> Sounds like a delicious snack. Yeah, uh, Vinea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Danny, what is your best uh, pro gamer move? Oh, um, let's see. All right, so I'm playing at LVO one year. I decide I'm bringing orcs, just like a total idiot. And so uh, last round, I'm playing against uh, Tyler Russo, or Russo, the guy from Billion Dollar Clown Farm. Uh, that guy's awesome, by the way. Um, and so I'm playing against him, and uh, one of our Patreons just sneaks into the hall of this giant beer, like this giant mango beer. And it was the best beer I've ever had in my entire life, partially because I was beat down and I was sweaty. I was like two and four with these orcs and i or one and i was like two and two and three with the orcs and i was just getting my butt kicked by by tyler and so i'm like all right i i, I need i need something and the beer gave me all this energy and i i still lost <laughs> but it was really really good <laughs> but yeah just because someone uh someone was part of our patreon and decided that like hey this guy looks like he could use a beer i know this guy i like his stuff here's some I free do stuff have to point out you don't have to be a member of anyone's Patreon to buy them a beer. Uh, it is True. appreciated for, for many people all, all over the place. Oh, yeah. Uh, Danny, you've played in a whole bunch of tournaments. Obviously, Anthony, you've gone all over the world playing Warhammer. Um, what is the greatest pro gamer move you've ever seen, either pulled on you or as part of like another game where you're like, oh, that, that happened? Oh, man. Uh, do you want to go first for this one, Danny? I have mine. Mine's like deep in my PTSD, so I will always remember mine. <laughs> uh, hmm. I, I don't know. I can't think of one off the top of my head. I'd like to point out, though, uh, to the chat, never once have I yelled wah while playing orcs. Like, just well, I won't do it. That's, that was why you lost capable. all those games. Yeah. So one of my favorite memories of Danny, and this was like my first couple of years, uh, first six oh. months or so back into 40K, 
Uh, this was a team tournament in six edition, right, Danny? <laughs> it was six edition. Um, it was like long ago. And I was uh, teamed up with my friend. Danny was teamed up with his friend. Danny and his friend just had orcs is what they're playing. And I was teamed up against uh, Dan- that Danny team. And Danny's friend Ethan just turns around to him and is like, hey, do you want a wah now? And Danny's like, no. no just, <laughs> just no. And like the atmosphere at the table just evaporated quickly. Uh, well, my teammate well. was being a dick too. But like just the atmosphere just went away so quickly. Rough. Great times. But yeah, uh, you're you're a pro gamer move, Anthony. Tell us about your PTSD. All right. So I live really close to Sean Naden. And Sean Naden is really good at 40k, but what he's best at is when other people fuck around and try and play his elves against him. He takes that as like a personal insult. Uh so I was playing Drakari. And that was my first mistake. So I was playing against Sean and he was playing some like 13 Venom nonsense. I was not aware of the situation. So I moved up my army like I do against everybody else. I was like, it's going to be fine. And Sean moves up his army in his turn and surrounds all my boats. And I'm like, okay, he's going to charge and I'll emergency disembark. No big deal. And then Sean doesn't charge. And I was like, what? And he goes on his turn. He's like, yeah. So I, I'm like, wait a minute. I go to, I look down at the board. I can't get out of my boats and Venoms are faster than Raiders. So for the rest of the game, I was going to move my Raiders and then he was going to move his Venoms over and over again. And his secondaries were better than mine. So I just lost the game at the bottom of the first movement phase. It was the most outplayed I've ever been in my life. I lost the entire game without rolling any dice. Man, that must feel really good. Good thing it was at the end of the game and not at the right start, so you had to sit and watch it for two hours. Yeah, no, we definitely looked down at what happened, high-fived, and then left. <laughs> yeah, Danny? Yo. Any any update on your, your move or no? I remember I, I saw you. Are you talking, from wait, okay. Again. So there was one yeah. instance um, where uh, a young kid, uh, I was playing the Tau Codex that just come out for seventh edition. Um, <clears throat> and uh, this young gentleman, uh, he's like, oh, you're only playing Tau because it's uh, flavor of the month. You know, you get you bandwagon jumpers are so predictable. And I'm like, hold on a minute. How old are you? And he's like, Oh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm 17. And I'm like, you know what? I've been playing 40 K for longer than you've been alive. So like <laughs> I've owned every army. So like you calling me a bandwagon means like literally nothing to me. And uh, yeah, he didn't talk to me for the rest of the game. It was pretty great. It was a lot more enjoyable. <laughs> it's these interactive games are way more fun when the other person doesn't interact whatsoever. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that person, that, yeah. I think the coolest thing I saw was uh, at a charity hammer a couple of years ago when you were playing against John Lennon with your Dark Angels, I think it was. Oh, yeah. And you did some movement shenanigans against yeah. him. And, like, I love John's reaction of just, huh, okay, huh. Like it just it broke his brain for like five to ten seconds that someone dared pull movement shenanigans against him. Dude, he told me yeah. I couldn't do something and I had to do it then at that point in time. Like it just needed <laughs> to be done. Too late. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell me what oh, to do. Dude, I love it so much. 
Um, guys, last question in this one here. What is something people think is a pro gamer move, uh, but is actually just really basic 40K knowledge that you're like, yeah, you should be doing that? Uh, I don't know. There's so there's like so many little stupid things, right? Um, oh, I don't know. Okay, like charging somebody's character, um, along with the unit so that they can't heroically intervene into you, and then you kind of like use your pile and move to consolidate away from the character and to back to the unit so they don't get to yeah. do anything. That's a pretty good move. Yeah, oh. that's a classic. Um, awesome. And my. My favorite, and this is less applicable now because they nerfed it, uh, but when people would be... So this is a pro-gamer move that's, like, not a pro-gamer move. This is a bad example. Uh, when people oh, got... it literally well, answers the question. the exact example that. he wants. Yeah, yeah you're, you're doing oh, great, man. Better than me. Perfect. So <laughs> when people would overly try to abuse bodyguard just out of muscle memory and forget that they were playing against a melee army was the funniest thing... <laughs> Of all time, sisters player string Celestine like nine inches away from the rest of the army onto an objective. And you're like, hey, man, I know I can't shoot her, but I can still charge her. Right. And then you can just see the fear set into their eyes <laughs> as they realize what they've done. So, yeah, that was my uh, that was my favorite. <laughs> Dude, love it. Um, moving on. In a move spiky bits would call. Games Workshop's shocking secret reversal of decades-old company rule. Um, I'm available uh, freelance, by the way, guys. Uh, on what others call an oopsie. Uh, in this month's White Dwarf, there's an article about a beautiful second edition-style Blood Angels army, but shock! Uh, the Rhino is actually made with a third-party conversion kit. Uh, which, beautiful. Uh, this is going in here. Uh, Anthony, I know you don't do like a whole lot of the hobby yourself there. Um, yeah. But what are some of like your favorite third-party pieces that you've seen coming out there or conversion kits coming in? Um, Danny, feel free to jump in on this one too. Sure. Probably my favorite third-party kit I've seen at all was the Dread Knight conversion kit that was going around for a little while that made them into just like big, beautiful, sick-looking dreads as opposed to the weird baby carrier situation they usually have. It made playing against that five Dread Knight build just slightly more bearable when they at least looked really cool. I just really want to see five Dread Knights running in the battlefield because, you know, there's like a guy in the middle just flailing crazy. Yeah, just... <laughs> <laughs> he looks Daddy, like an well... actual Muppet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Daddy, you use a lot of third party pieces. What are some of your favorites? Uh, I really like uh, Legio models. Um, they do like night uh, upgrades a lot. So they do like oh, armor panels and stuff like that. Those are really cool. They've got some like faction specific ones. Like there's some really cool like Zinch Knights with like sorcerers on top. Um, cool. uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I definitely have bought a bunch of Tau uh, extra upgrades off from various different sites as well. Like, you know, like a bag of cyclic ion blasters, stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, producer Val again here. No halt, Mike's just coming in and chat. Um, I like that GW's response to everyone hitting on the Dread Knight was to give every army the exactly the same type of walker. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, yeah, you hate this, you get one, and you get one, and Victor this. Um, here's the thing, though. That picture I pulled in the article was the company who made that third-party kit posted on Facebook. Hey, you can buy our kit as seen in White Dwarf. Um, <laughs> I mean... Daddy, legally speaking, 
pointing out that you're infringing someone's copyright and selling an add-on kit, is that probably a, a good way to advertise your business? I mean, that's, I mean, it's not like they're like, they probably can do anything about it. Otherwise I would say, uh, I, I think it's just free advertising for them. I would definitely say that it's free real estate. You gotta love it. Well, uh, moving uh, on. Mel, I will here. not explain the chapter house lawsuit to John. <laughs> you can't make that's me. It's not in my contract content. of employment for, for FLGN. <laughs> That's the FLG and Patreon tier. We're going to have the when 10 people subscribe at $15 a person. Danny's <laughs> going to explain copyright law to me. Uh, yeah, we can talk about Thunderwolf Cavalry. Um, <laughs> this guy here, though, uh, thinks that uh, the return of the squats or the League of Votan now is making things less grimdark. Uh, now, guys, come weapons aside, um, are the Votan a grimdark race? Every time, dude. <laughs> Oh, um, man. <laughs> dude, people getting real salty about the cum weapons. <laughs> oh, they're salty, all right. <laughs> but they're also chock full of electrolytes. That's... I think what <laughs> it's what plants crave. <laughs> yep, that's that's what they crave: uh... electrolytes. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I mean, okay, like, look it's actually a pretty serious army. I would say like they've done, there's not a lot of like joking, uh, like aspects to, uh, to, to the Votan. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's any less serious than like Imperial guard or, or orcs. space Marines or orcs. Yeah. So what a stupid opinion. Yeah. The closest they get to a joke is the like rule section. <laughs> That's only a joke for your opponent. Yeah. Got him. Um, <laughs> How could they make to, to to appease this person here? How can they make squats even grim darkier uh, than failing technology, dying oh. expansion race? More skulls. It's fair. And yeah, like spikes. you usually you usually appease the people that want it to be more grim dark by just like adding spikes to it. Like they're a simple folk. Danny, as a classically trained Warhammer fantasy battle general. <laughs> What is your opinion on the Dwarven Psyker? Oh, oh I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. You know what? Um, yeah, okay. So dwarves are naturally resistant to magic, but not they, but they're not always not wizards. I mean, you take an example of like the Chaos Dwarves, for instance, and while their bodies have somewhat of a resistance to magic, which is natural to all dwarfs, not dwarves, let's make, make sure we're, we're right here um, yeah. with our, our pluralization of that name. Um, they uh, uh, like the chaos dwarf sorcerers, for instance, because they're channeling all of this energy through their body and they're resistant. They eventually actually turn into stone, kind of like an Eldar Farseer. That's true. Hmm. You learn something new every day, and you forget it just as quickly, guys. What <laughs> one thing could you change to the God. lore of an imperial faction uh, that would absolutely just ruin their grim, dark nature? Danny, you are not allowed to mention the Golden Throne. Um. Yeah, Danny, what would you change to ruin an imperial faction? Oh, um. <laughs> okay, sure. Uh, all the psychic energy that uh, Grey Knights gets, uh, it comes specifically from love. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. 
All right, Anthony, Danny's got turning the Grey Knights into Care Bears. Uh, how would you ruin an Imperial faction? He beat me to it because I was going to say that the sisters' bond doesn't come from faith but friendship, and he oh. was just faster <laughs> on the draw. <laughs> I think the, the one thing we can agree on is uh, friendship or love ruins Warhammer. It does. Anyway, it just yeah. ruins it. Just ruins it. Yeah, the allies, um, the allies are allowed. It's terrible. Now, I just want to have uh, someone model up a bunch of granite terminators with, like, glowing valleys. Um, and when they're close to each other, they glow. Um, moving on. More staffing changes at GW. Last week, um, as Warhammer TV presenter Chris Peach leaves the company after 20 years... Um, some of you may know Chris is the guy who taught Duncan how to paint. Um, he took over from him uh, on the painting tutorials before kind of Louise replaced him a little and sent him to the dungeons of Twitch for the hanging paints. But this tweet, obviously, he's saying it's of his own volition, but it also marks a continuation of Warhammer TV presenters kind of not hanging around, uh, joining other Warhammer TV alumni, including Rob Symes, Duncan Rhodes, and now, of course, Chris Peach. Guys, why do you think it is um, that we're not seeing kind of people staying long with GW after they're moving to Warhammer TV? Uh, yeah, uh, great question, John. Because passion doesn't pay the bills, baby. <laughs> I'm sure that there's some truth to that. I'm sure that there's some, I'm sure that there's a lot I think there's probably a decent amount of money out there uh, to be made by going independent. Um, but yeah, I would say I'm sure it's a lot of the extra duties as assigned um, that goes along with, uh, with being with working for games workshop. But I, I obviously don't know that for sure. I could never say one yeah. way or another. Do you guys feel this is going to just pure speculation. I just, my, my favorite thing right now is just the uncomfortable long shot of just you and Anthony and the TV together when I ask these questions. But is there a worry maybe the individual personalities are going to overshadow the brand as a whole and become maybe bigger than they should, um, especially after what kind of happened with Duncan? Uh, I could see that being a thing Games Workshop is worried about. I just don't think that that's a legitimate fear. That's yeah. like, sports companies or sports teams kicking out players because they become a star as trolling. Yeah. I mean, ultimately any rise in popularity they have is just going to reflect back on the company that they represent. So I think that it's silly to assume that it's because they're, you know, too big for games workshop. Yeah, totally fair. Um, do you guys think there's a reason uh, the, for example, uh, WTC teammate of Anthony Vanella and head of Warhammer events, Mike Brandt, hasn't really been super visible in his role for like the past uh, six months or so. Um, and things are kind of moving the way the codexes go as being credited to the Warhammer events team. Um, Brandt ended up not playing for us, by the way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had to step down and Brad took his spot. Um, we got a different old man in for that role. The... <laughs> <laughs> um actually don't even think Brant's that old, but I'm gonna let that one slide because I'm twenties in my twenties still and anyone over thirties old. So um, what you guys see on screen now is Danny still visibly aging for every comment <laughs> that he makes. Um so I think that's a thing. Like they don't seem super keen to give people lots of individual credit as a company. Like a lot of like good stuff happens, and I would love to be able to be like 
man, when that guy does stuff, it's really awesome. But I think they're just too worried about the like when that guy does when that other guy does stuff and it's not awesome getting him buried. And that's like a fair take. But like, I don't know, man, it's hard. Yeah. I mean, we don't want another Matt Ward situation. And where he's to this day universally reviled on Twitter for something he did for a game that doesn't even exist. Um, And he's still like giving crap about that. He did plenty of stuff to a game that still exists. <laughs> well, also that one too, but like, you know, yeah. demons were. And I'd also, I'd also like to say, yeah, Brad Chester also in his twenties. Yeah. Like maybe 20th drink of the yeah. evening. Like oh, I was going to say he's uh, in his forties. Like the, the <laughs> Brad, was, Brad, was, Brad was born in the twenties. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the That's one funny. person in 40 K content creation older than myself and Danny. Um, but moving on, we'll get away from this uncomfortable talk and go back to making fun of people. Um, Excellent. There's going to be more positivity, though, as uh, this person here commented that this painted model that you're about to see, great podcast content, is actually not well painted, uh, not because it's poorly painted, but because it looks like a painting of a painted model. Uh, the genuine <laughs> criticism that was given for this model is it looks like a painting of a painted model. Um Guys, what would valid criticism for this guy be? <laughs> Fella, is it is it bad painting to paint? <laughs> I mean, what? Oh man. I don't even know where to start with that. <laughs> um, don't make I will it look say. like art. That's <laughs> And then Anthony, I know you you are living the high life of everything's commission painted uh, because you it's choose true. chaos armies and you have soft, delicate baby hands of a 20 year old. Um, also, trim. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Who wants to paint trim? Um, but, Danny, what is the Anthony worst? famously hates trim, John. Make yeah. sure to write that down. <laughs> oh, no. I feel like that's going to come back to me later going on the whiteboard it's going to be oh, a joke okay. used later wait, wait this one yeah 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 cool okay. all right we all got our joke down heck yeah um <laughs> daddy what's the worst most unhelpful criticism that you've received on a model that you've actually painted the most unhelpful criticism yeah like the worst criticism we're like what are you talking about i had somebody look at one of my models and be like well this isn't very good <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> do you remember the feedback i gave you on your wraith uh wraith night or wraith lord long long ago <laughs> well you mean the one that you said looked like he was tripping and falling down backwards <laughs> yeah it was like <laughs> Thanks, yeah, this beautiful army and i was like man your army looks great it's like your wraith night kind of looks like it slipped on a banana peel uh but the rest of it fantastic <laughs> He was dancing away gracefully so that he could retreat to fire from a safer distance. Yeah, that's what you want to call it. Fantastic. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, so here we go, guys. We got a call back. Uh, uh, Anthony, and for those who haven't seen before, uh, a few weeks ago, we showed off a wonderful, beautiful painted uh, Chaos Knight that was actually uh, just three war dogs hiding underneath oh, a, God. what's it called here? Uh, Serapis. Uh, where we found that picture again, 
guy took it to a tournament and the guy did it and there's that beautiful here you go yeah yeah three war dogs that's what you oh, see under the serapis uh their weapon is a guitar uh there's there's a fedora it's very tastefully done it's beautiful i don't think that's a fedora. Uh, <laughs> but, do you know what a fedora is john what's that do you know what a fedora is <laughs> apparently not that's famous mexican hat actually so <laughs> going getting hat lessons is a very specific patreon tier for the flgm um so he won a painting competition and don't worry val we'll go back to that slide that i actually skipped uh that i just noticed here but he won a painting competition as, as we're going to see the gentleman who created these beautiful war dogs soon maybe you're gonna go that's why yeah, there we go audio guys all right so yeah, this but... guy here uh harvey benton is the gentleman who created this uh, the amazing amazing night um he actually won the monthly painting competition as rtt with his night um guys do you think the night won in its own merit or was it the man's sombrero uh while playing the chaos knight army that won him the painting competition it's definitely a bit of both. I mean, this is obviously just cultural appropriation, right? Like <laughs> Harvey Benton is like the whitest name I've ever read in my entire life. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> the carca- the caucasity, caucasity is powerful with that man. That, did that is that guy have a fake mustache? Can we pull up that picture again? <laughs> he does. Yeah, Hell sure yeah. does. Yeah. Amazing. A fake mustache uh, and a uh, Mexican fedora, otherwise known as a sombrero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, you you got to love here. Um, here's here's another question for us. Should people accessorize with their armies more often? Yeah, that doesn't happen enough. But if you're going to do it, be committed and actually grow the mustache. What are you doing? No. Maybe he can't, man. None of this Not half people can have beautiful on. full beards. With the sharpie. Yeah, figure it out. <laughs> Something else. Get it tattooed Anthony, in. Let's yeah, go. You were Get a tattoo, don't pussy it. <laughs> yeah. Anthony, if you were forced to accessorize with your Chaos Army, uh, what would you wear? Uh, probably some real... So I play Emperor's Children, so real, like, ostentatious shit. Like, I would have, like, big gaudy gold chains, st- big stupid rings. Like, we'd have to really go hard. Yeah, Paul Winter is suing for gimmick infringement as we speak. Uh, Danny, yeah. uh, whatever army mm-hmm. you're playing this month, um, how would you accessorize with that? Uh, I don't know. I'd probably wear colors that are similar to the ar- the colors the army are painted in. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking though, like uh, I'm making, I'm starting a Votan army here, and so I'm thinking I'm going to get some train whistles. Some train whistles. Cultural work. appropriation. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, what of a train? <laughs> no, of short oak. You're coming after my people, oh, dude. Oh, <laughs> that's okay, man. You know what I'll do is I'll put my shoes on my knees and I'll walk around like that for the tournament, <laughs> so I can I get a better be idea of what it's like. <laughs> i think what a great uh this reminds me danny of the great lvo memory we have of finally seeing val when he was done with all of his streaming stuff uh, him walking up to us and be like holy shit you guys are huge uh because we are both quite large it's true uh, oh, we're hiding behind cameras right now um Dude, what okay when i have to so right here danny oh good well no what were you saying 
I was say when I talk to Danny, I have to look straight up, like directly <laughs> up. <laughs> That's not true. You know, I bring you a step stool so we can have a conversation on the same level. <laughs> right. Yeah. It doesn't work, like unless I go on the third step. But yeah, it, it, we, we try. Fair. Um, what is the Space Marine equivalent of three war dogs in a Serapis? Two oh, scouts? I got this. Okay. All right. Picture this. Three space Marines inside Centurion suits that are also inside of Invictor war suits that are pretending to be a, uh, uh, oh, God, what's the big tank called? What's the big tank called quickly? Not, yeah, sure. The Astraeus. We can go, we will go with that. It's perfect. <laughs> pretending to be a viable unit. was. <laughs> It's good. good Val picked the Astraeus. That, that's what we chose. It is. It's true. That I is. was thinking of the Repulsor Executioner, but uh, <laughs> we'll go with that one. Yeah. Chad is asking if uh, Danny, if we are bigger than Seth, and in all ways you can think of, yes, yeah, yes, we are. Yeah. Um, Egos, um, uh, height, the amount of. We, we the we've we've killed a lot less animals than Seth. I was gonna um, say I think he's sure. got you on the the bird yeah, murder. Kill his count. kill counts a lot bigger than ours, but <laughs> we like to think that our life count is higher than Seth's. Yeah, we have more kind of. We're not book smart about it. We're just kind of Alaska smart about right. it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, let's. Uh, Valley, we're gonna move back to slide nine here because uh, this is a very important thing. This is why I asked our guest to bring pots. Oh, uh, what this is here, someone posted up my personal record for the most contrast paint pots held in one hand and shook, by the way, is 10. I dare you to do better. Now, I'm not here to say uh, that I'm not gonna take that as just a bull faced challenge. Uh, but Danny and Anthony, right now, I want you guys to have a competition. Uh, to see who can shake the most paint pots in their hand. This is a, a technique versus an entity. You know this. Danny has hands the size of a child's head. Yeah. I mean, yeah, large in comparison. Um, and Val, this is why you need a hot mic. I keep forgetting you're not on. So here we go. How much, Danny? How many are you going for shaking in your hand right now? Uh, hold on. First, I'm going to go with eleven. Man, yeah. I don't even know if I can hold 10 in my hand. Are those actually all contrast paints? Because contrast paints are a lot bigger than normal paint bottles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, I yeah. have I'm, 10 I'm in my hand seven. currently. Okay. There we go. Matthew's going to be happy. Anthony can only fit seven in his hand. It's almost like that's fate. Yeah. I do love Nurgle Matthews, so... Oh my God. I've got 12. <laughs> okay. So now you what have to have, dude, oh, five, five strong shakes. I got to shake it. Five Hold strong on. shakes. This is incredible audio content. And as a producer, this is amazing audio content. Wow. Guys, if you want to know who won, uh, check in every week live on YouTube or check out the video feed afterwards. It is phenomenal content, and you too can see Danny win. Uh, and chat, uh, making sure people know that Nurgle Matthew held and shook 21 pin paws to completion. Uh, moving on. 
going to jump oh. all over the place here. Uh, disappointment strikes again as, uh, yeah, disappointment strikes again as this person here finds out a direct order product exists and they don't have pretty boxes and they're pretty bummed out about that. Guys, where were you when you found out about direct order products? Well, first time I had to order something is chaos. CSM's half their line is direct order. <laughs> Danny? The summer of 2007 was a balmy summer. Um, <laughs> there was a high pollen count and wildfires were rife in the West Coast. I was in Reno uh, looking to expand my Warhammer Fantasy Battle Army with uh, a metal steam tank that was not at the store. Um, and so I had to special order it and I was very disappointed. It didn't come in a box that was like the other box with the cool steam tank artwork on it. So, uh, it was then 2007, I would say. That was an actual story. It was a beautiful actual story. And I love that Danny knows I'm padding runtime now, but Danny, like, why is it that bummed you out about the fact that you didn't get the pretty picture on the box? Well, I was hoping to, uh, at that point in time, I had a wall of all the boxes that I had purchased with the artwork turned out and cut out. Um, and like with all the pictures I thought was cool. Naturally, you know, I was just rolling in women. And uh, uh, <laughs> you like going to come see my Warhammer box art wall? Yeah, <laughs> this isn't creepy or anything. I promise I won't keep a trophy of you. Um, anyway, so like... <laughs> um, yeah, I, no, I wanted this like a painting reference, honestly. That's what I was really mm. excited about. Back before the internet and pictures online. Terrible days. Um, do you guys think, and I want to do the last this one in here, though there isn't a lot of content behind this young picture, um, but do you think with the current prices, and our producers in chat letting us know that most of this is because after the initial print run of the boxes, they just kind of throw them in the plain ones. But with current prices, should each product have a retail box? Yeah. Danny, you look confused no. at what I'm asking. I would say no. Do you mean by retail box, should all kits be available in the store all the time? No, should all kits have the pretty box? Well, why? If they're not going to like, if they're not going to be on the shelf, why have a pretty box? Because it shows up to the customer, bro. Buddy, I'm paying you're ordering You're special ordering this product. You already want it. <laughs> what a... like, I refuse to sell you anything you've already bought, damn it. Uh, <laughs> I love my favorite part of this, and you guys can see it is Val rubbing his head in pain. Uh, the the terribleness of my life. But the YouTube comment section, you all know, Danny, uh, Anthony, it's a terrible place. Uh, it's dark. Yeah. I found so a couple so of really good ones on a small YouTube channel uh, oh. that's run locally here. Danny, you've seen some of these before, but <laughs> oh, no. Mm, chef's kiss on these this first one here which uh, to include the audio listener um has a lot of good stuff we have if games workshop was listening to the fans their ham-fisted ip protection would end tts would return gw would end their endless price hikes free rules online all the time embracing 3d printing a very public apology for their behavior and open comments on YouTube. Guys, I'm so impressed with this comment that we're going to go point by point here. And assuming oh, no. positive intent, guys, so not just shitting on the whole thing, 
Starting with Anthony. Oh, How has no. Games Workshop's IP protection been ham-fisted? They refused to use their IP for 40k for anything other than really shitty mobile games. And that's <laughs> what I have to assume this guy means. Hey, now wait just a minute there, Anthony. Have you played Daddy's Invictus yet? at least yet? $80 on Tacticus by this point. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, Tacticus. I'm, I'm pretty sure you just made up Invictus. That's not, that can't be real. <laughs> that could be a cool name though, right? For a video game, yeah. <laughs> That's probably a Space Marine unit. I'm, yeah, it is, for sure. It's, it's dude, it's the That's first captain the, of the, the, uh, the Ultramarines. Right? <laughs> That's the Primaris jump pack unit. Is it going to be called Invictus? Perfect. Oh my god. Yeah. Sue you so hard. Um, Danny, how can uh, Games Workshop, again, from your professional legal opinion, uh, being that you're a fully licensed and accredited person, uh, how has it been ham fisted so far? While I I am mostly a fully licensed and accredited person, I am not a licensed lawyer or practice to. uh, I was very specific with my word usage so that you were. I'm glad you were. I was doing some issue spotting there, John, and I uh, I noticed that you had some problematic. Uh... Anyway, so uh, I mean, I, I don't really understand what they mean by this. Do they mean that GW like doesn't use their IP correctly? Because I feel like they're really making a move towards making their IP more valuable, um, well, like in that they or that they shut down stuff like text to speech. Like Emperor's text to speech device. Like that. I think that thing it comes from stuff. them. Um, Did that like not happen? Some people say yeah. shutting down. Um, I say hiring the people and paying them to make the content. God forbid um, that, man. God forbid. Yeah, you got to do it. There's got to be passion. Otherwise, what's the point that you guys yeah, said earlier there? I'm going to go with take um, our money or we'll shut you down. Uh, and yeah, then, <laughs> well, our, our producer, again, make yourself up, Val. You, your insight is invaluable. He's like, hot. well, we'll take your money or shut the you down. The been hot for um, a while. <laughs> even better even better oh my I god I was talking now to that's like insane good editing. audio content yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think some of it as well is kind of shutting down some of the 3D print people who are just uh, scanning existing models and making STL files available uh, and things like that so, so should they just kind of leave that be Danny? Yeah, no, fuck them for uh, for using Games Workshop's IP. I mean, like, for no, I'm being utterly serious. Like, what do you just expect that you just get to copy everything that they do and like make models for things that you know that they that, that you want to like design it yourself? Like, selling their IP for a profit is is problematic. I think it's really important that intellectual property is protected. So, yeah, yeah get get at least five percent different. You fucking hacks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, guys, just Google Winnie the Pooh right now. He's recently gone into public domain, and it's not a pretty sight anymore. Did, did you see um, the trailer for the horror movie for Winnie the Pooh, John? I did not, but I know what I'm doing after this episode now. Um, <laughs> move, moving on. <laughs> nope. Uh, and it's certainly not geography either. Screw you, school. Uh, can <laughs> Games Workshop force the text-to-speech creator to restart a series he himself chose to stop producing. Uh, depends how much Bitcoin they have. Oh, dude, good answer, good answer. Are, are you saying that text-to-speech device chose to stop making content? Yeah, he chose yeah, to no, stop they, making content. 
Right. I mean, yeah, because he probably got or like they're like, hey, look, we're going to be enforcing this in a minute. So you can shut down now if you want to or you can keep going for a while. And he's like, no, nah, I made he plenty was, of money off this. He said he was never contacted by GW and yeah. he wanted to focus on his original thing. So taking cool. a face value. Um, also, guys, Texas speech, a little overrated. I'm yeah, just saying. I agree. Um, it's okay. Um, the voices get to me a little bit. So there we go. Um, Jonathan Keebler has uh, just ruined me for any kind of voice acting. Uh, do you guys view the price hikes as endless? I mean, yeah. I have big uh, guy who wins events frequently privilege here. <laughs> Where I have quite a bit of store credit and have not paid store for Store credit doesn't go as far as it used to. I, yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> that period of time where Drakari was really good for a whole year and I didn't have to change armies at all, though, was really good for accruing store credit. So if they could just nerf factions less frequently so I could stay on my broken one for longer, that would be stellar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Oh. Brief on Danny. <laughs> It's never been a cheap hobby, John. It's going to continue to not be a cheap hobby. Uh, it's a luxury good. If you want to buy it, you can. Uh, if not, you certainly don't have to. So Beautiful. Uh, Danny, I'm going to skip one or two of these here. Um, oh, okay. Because, obviously, uh, guys, the rules are available for free online right now anyway. it's the oh, Do the Sigmar one. Come on. Um, but, okay. Uh, there we go. Uh, voice spell. Um, what do you say? The Sigmar one. <laughs> Oh, that's a future slide. No, we're going back to that there. Um, you're both, uh, pretend you're a Games Workshop PR person. Um, please issue a very public apology uh, that this person's asking for. He is asking for a very public apology for the Games Workshop's behavior. Danny, you're the PR person. Go. Oh, look, guys, we're really sorry that we've made all these products that you've really enjoyed for all this time. And that you keep buying all of these products in record numbers and our profits are record are, are all record highs. Um, we're really sorry about all that. I'm sorry that you guys got so much enjoyment out of this and then that us paying attention to you online is like somehow bad or something. I don't know. Anyway, like sorry about all that. Well, did did the PR rep cheat at a tournament recently? <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Um Speaking of this here, uh, I'm going to same video, different comment. This is one I loved uh, specifically. Uh, I know it's one here producer Val loves. Um, it goes, I just found out the Warhammer Fantasy was replaced by Age of Sigmar. For fuck's sake. Now it's, I don't know, never mind. I'm just getting super into Warhammer 40k, so I will still do so and invest as much as needed. The money I used to spend on heroin can now be spent on miniatures and paint. Um, guys, uh, do you agree with me? Uh, again, this comment, thank you, Val. This comment was an emotional roller coaster. This is satire, right? No, I think that's real. I think that that man 12 days ago found out that Warhammer Fantasy is not real and he's really upset. I am too for him. <laughs> he finally got his yeah. uh unit of clan rats painted up to, to his standard. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no more One he time, just dipped man. 200 clan rats dude he's trying to get them on the table and based and ready for an event that he uh that he knows goes on every year and yeah. meanwhile he finds yeah. out no it's all been replaced with age of sigmar they've blown up his world and so naturally what is a guy to do he turns to drugs he 
He does. He does. And thankfully, yeah. turned away for it uh, for the universe of Warhammer 40,000, mm. which is just so much better right now. Um, speaking of Warhammer Fantasy in the old world, the group oh. described to me by a person as a cesspit uh, <laughs> by someone in the know posted <laughs> this next comment where it says, Hey guys, what do you think were the reasons Warhammer Fantasy Battles failed and 40k quite the opposite? Uh, Danny, you're old. Why did Warhammer Fantasy Battle fail and 40k succeed? I po- I posted on this topic, actually. <laughs> I played did. a little bit of Fantasy. Yeah, I sure did. Um, I would say, it to me, it was a lack of support. I'm sure there's lots of other reasons, but I think that that's ultimately why the game uh, the game system was deemed to be unpopular. I feel like, like there, there was almost a year and a half of absolutely no like rules support. Like what elves were like six or eight months or maybe even a year from the previous last faction, which was dwarves. And like, it was really rough to, uh, to like, like with the model that they had for releases and things like that, like nobody ever got anything fun. And then they just did the end times and that was it. Like no FAQs, no support. Like it was, it was bad. Yeah, beautiful. Anthony, you said you played a little bit of uh, Warhammer Fantasy Battles. I didn't realize you'd spoken to Val for more than more than ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, I had a, uh, I had played a bit of Fantasy Battles back in the day. I used to have a Vampire Counts army, but when I moved out, my uh, vindictive mother threw them in the garbage. So oh. that was the oh, end of man, my oh. battle journey. Right before they're You're not coming back from that one. Yeah, so that was the end of that that run. But uh, yeah, the uh, fantasy probably did worse because people didn't buy it and people bought 40k. That seems to really put a dent in the amount that Games Workshop gives a shit. Yeah, the Space Marine line sold out, sold more than the entire fantasy range. So like, uh, I mean, I get didn't that. the paint line sell more than the entire fantasy range? Well, that makes sense. I bet the paint line sells a lot more than probably any one 40k line does. I really have to make my podcast documentary on this topic because it's so ripe. It's ridiculous. Who killed yeah. Warhammer Fantasy? It's coming, guys. Yeah. Uh, producer Val is going to say the next hot shot on the FLGN right after episode three of Stat Center 2.0. <laughs> and it's going on the Fantasy. whiteboard, guys. It's going no, on the whiteboard. whiteboard. I'd like to right also there. say it's literally you're not, I'm not supporting any kind of opinion that a guy with the tag name AOS coach has to why fantasy fails. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guys, we're going to cut it here today. Anthony, go ahead, plug your stuff. So I am a art of work coach, like John mentioned before. I do coaching. I do individual like list call stuff. There's all sorts that if you want to do, I can probably help you with. Um I'm definitely a little bit more hands-on than some of my compatriots when it comes to that stuff, but it just depends on um, what faction you're looking for. What? Who's the worst? What was that, Val? Who's the least hands-on? The least hands-on? It's got to be Siegler, because he doesn't have hands. He's a robot. <laughs> <laughs> just cold mechanical talents. Yeah, that's all you get with Siegs. He he just tries to hack into you and make you do what he does, because he's a robot. He's like Agent um, Smith from The Matrix. Yeah, yeah, exactly, bro. He hasn't played competitive 40Ks, just turned five other people into Richard Siegler, and they start attending events. Yep, yep. That was all six of those events last year were different people. Just looked like him. Don't even bring up Brian Siegler, though, because that's a whole other thing. 
Yeah, that's true. That's a different person. Oh my god! <laughs> Please uh, continue now. Well, yeah, keep keep pushing on uninterrupted. Uh, the other thing is stat checks. Stat checks really awesome. I'm super proud of the work we do. The all my compatriots over there, are fantastic guys. Uh, they put in a lot more work than I do. Um, I'm kind of just there doing stuff, talking to people, doing things. But there's a lot of like really hardcore stat and event scraping data work that goes on in the background. So. Shout out to all the, the homies on StatCheck. What is the website address for the, the meta dashboard? It is stat dot uh, at hyphen check.com. And then there's a, I actually don't know the, the dashboard. Oh, it's just slash the hyphen meta. There you go. Beautiful. Got him. Got him. Guys, Danny, anything else you want to add in here before we roll this on out? Uh, nope, Fred, Fred is telling me it's time to go. Love it. Uh, guys, what an amazing show. We're going to be back next Monday to go over something, um, as well as hit the highest highs and the <laughs> lowest lows of the community. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Thank you, Anthony, for coming on. And as always, it's been pretty grim after dark. <laughs>